All right, what's up, everybody? It's Nick Davenport, a.k.a. Mr. Mental Muscle. And today on the Mental Muscle Podcast, we have Johnny Dixon, but you may know him better as No Lab Coat Required. He has a YouTube channel that I stumbled across on a, a very popular video, but he has numerous videos covering all types of topics, teaching you things to get your mind right, as I always say. So to start off, give a quick brief overview of what you do, who you are, and we can get right into this. Yeah, so the video that Mr. Mental Muscle is referencing here is the butter video which is uh on not unfortunately what but what some people are knowing me by at this point they're kind of like um they're like the butter video and you, you you it's it's so everybody has an opinion on that and it's it can be controversial it could be divisive um but the butter video people reference it as uh, as that because it's like the big one on the channel. Uh, so it's a nice introduction into me. And I kind of have some literature in there uh, at the start that kind of um, expounds upon like my mindset behind things. But essentially, I'm a huge lifelong learner. Um, and I think that's why uh, Nick and I kind of get, um, we're on a similar plane in terms of that level of thinking, because I can tell that he's a student first, I'm a student first, um, we connect in that way. So that's really me, I'm a student way before I'm a teacher. And really my job and my passion and my purpose is to take what researchers are writing to each other and kind of sneak my head into their world and kind of pull away things that I can use and bring it back down to a surface level. So uh, regularly Joe Schmoes like myself <laughs> can understand uh, and, and, and grow in their health and wellness. So really that's my goal is to take um, things that are in the atmosphere of academia, if you will, and, and kind of reach and pull that stuff down and make it more understandable. And that is my mission there. So. Yeah, and I agree. Like you said, the fact that you say I'm a lifelong learner, I'm the same way. And you say on your channel, on your bio, it says that that's the greatest human illness is know-it-allism. Like, and I've seen that in my line of work because I'm in the psychological sciences. So I feel in that line of work, it's a lot of people who hear things, buzzwords, pop psychology. You talk about that a lot on your, your channel too with like depression, anxiety. So that's another thing I liked about your work. So it's good that we have people out there. So that kind of segues to the first thing I want to bring up is your first video. It was about a story that I actually referenced a lot myself. So it's another coincidence we have with Dr. Simmelweiss and how something so mundane, something so what we call whatever, change the world of medicine so i won't get into I, I want you to tell that like that was your first video i saw or not saw but first video you recorded but also it was a perfect example of how it changed how people think and open their minds it was the ultimate example and and i think it's the like you said i mean you referenced it perfectly so Ina Simmelweis was a practitioner a physician uh back in uh i can't remember the years exactly but a very long time ago like, and 50s, when i came across this yeah, it, it, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, probably 1850s. And he he was a practitioner physician, and he worked in a field with obviously other practitioners and physicians. And um, they would have these uh, dealings, right? They had jobs, they had tasks as as physicians. They um, performed surgeries, which you could imagine were probably a little bit more rough than what they currently are with our advanced technology. Um, they perform surgeries, all kinds of procedures, and they're toying or, and messing with and experimenting and operating on the human body. And at the same time, they are also dealing with dead bodies. So like bodies that are um, having to go into the morgue. So they they have these, uh, they're juggling multiple tasks because back then there was no such thing as specialization, which is massive now in 2023. Everyone has like a specialty. But back then, if you, you were a physician, you did it all. So they were jumping between these various tasks and Inez Simmelweis uh, noticed that, hey, listen, there's a lot of people dying and we aren't totally sure why, like this shouldn't be happening. There's a lot of people dying when they are dealing with us and we don't know exactly why. He essentially came to the conclusion that for some reason, we're not washing our hands and that seems to make quite a difference. And he was starting to put this message out and share this with the, his colleagues, and he was essentially shot down. And this was the perfect example of people being closed-minded because nowadays, I mean, we 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 have a song for washing our hands. Like, we just know, like, it's second nature. Like, my mom said, hey, don't come in the house. You ain't wash your hands and get going in my fridge. Like, washing your hands is you wash your hand, period. So, um, but back then it was like this this foreign thing. And, and this we're talking about the medical field. So this is this crazy idea 
Um, and he was shot down. Um, and he, his story is honestly a little bit more brutal than what I'm making it sound. Like he was, I think he, he was put out of work um, because he kept pushing this idea of cleanliness. And my goal and and your goal is an educator's goal is to take what those doctors and his colleagues were experiencing, which is that closed mindedness and that you're so wrong. Why would we ever switch it? This has been working for us. Why would we, of course, we're not killing people because our hands are dirty. That's not what it is. So it's like, you're so closed off with your conclusions. Our goals as, as educators is to get people to get out of that as best and um, as welcoming as we can, as easy as we can, um, because that is a tragic story. And I'm happy that we can still kind of share that and um, reference it because you never know what kind of conclusion you can come to that can literally change the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a great example. And I talked about how you have analogies, how you just illustrate in that story. That's why I grabbed that one out of all your videos. I watched obviously dozens of them. And it's like the simplest thing, like I said, they weren't open to it. That happens a lot in my profession. What I do with my psychology work, I'm big on taking what the research is, looking at the articles, and I guess that I want to ask, what is your um, background? Do you have a degree in a special field, specific field? Yeah, so I've I've always had a uh, interesting relationship with with school. So I I kind of have to tell a bit of a story to 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 make this make sense. But um, essentially, um, like I remember being in sixth grade, and I I genuinely like despised work. I despised homework, and I was never like a terrible student. I was a class clown in some grades, um, but I was just a young kid. I was never like a bully or anything egregious. Or I, I bothered some teachers. Like I wasn't like uh, what what a movie uh, would deem a, a bad kid as. But I was I was I wasn't troublesome. But I was uh, definitely a kid that um, that wanted attention at the time. And I just remember, I literally remember bringing homework home and being like, this is probably the worst invention. Who came up with homework? The fact that I'm at school for six plus hours a day and I have to bring this stuff home, like at that moment, I remember being like, this is ridiculous. So I had that attitude towards school. And once again, I'm still getting solid grades because I just tend to, I tend to put my best foot forward, but still like I had this attitude that didn't match my grades, which is fascinating. Um, I get to my senior year. So now we're in high school and I took three AP classes. I took AP calculus, I took AP psychology, and I took AP literature. And for those that aren't familiar with AP, it stands for advanced placement. So they have a standardized test for all of these subjects that's going to take place near the end of the school year. And if you get a three out of out of five, at least a three out of five, the highest you can score is a five, or I believe the highest you can score, it's either five or six you can score. Mm -hmm. um, but if you get a three, then you can get college credit. So for me, I remember my senior year being particularly very hard. Like I remember it, I've, I've been through college, but my senior year of school was my toughest year of education period. And I remember taking a tutor job in 2017 um, and I was getting my results back from the AP classes and I remember checking, pulling up my phone, checking the scores. Finally, the, I took the standardized test. I got my scores back. Let's see what we got here. So I'm looking at it. I got a two on AP Calculus. I'm like, well, AP Calculus was a tough one. I, I, okay, I don't get the credit. That's fine. I get a two on AP Literature. I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's really rough. And I get a two on AP Psychology. One below getting college credit in every single AP course that I took. And this this was very, very upsetting. I remember texting my friends like the worst thing ever just happened. I just wasted my entire senior year doing advanced schooling for what reason? This was silly. I was I was extremely frustrated. And fast forward to college. So um, I went through four years of college. I do have a, a bachelor's in uh, exercise science, particularly. Um, but college was a very enlightening time for me. Um, 2018, particularly, uh, was my actually my sophomore year in college. So in this year, I, I decided to intentionally spend some time with myself and be a little bit more self-aware. And what they ended up doing for me is, 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 is it gave me a gift, uh, a gift that I call the achievable gift. Because self-awareness is huge because I believe self-awareness is, um, it's a gift because it's like one of life's greatest blessings. And it's achievable in a way that anybody, anybody can have it. So 
you don't really know what you're missing out on until you get it. So for me, that's self-awareness. Because what happens in 2018 was not only did I achieve my self-awareness, but I achieved health consciousness. And that person that achieved that is the person that I'm serving today because I'm always trying to share what I learned in a way that educates people who are probably new to this. That's why I don't like to use a lot of jargon. I want them to understand uh, what they're like, I, I'm explaining it to you like you have no prior knowledge. That's really my goal because I wish somebody was explaining it to me like that. So um, that's kind of like my 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 school journey and, and how I've been through school. But yeah, um, in terms of the actual uh, accreditation, I have the uh, a bachelor. I went to WIU, Western Illinois University, uh, for three years um, prior to transferring out of Olivet Nazarene, which is in Bourbonnet, Illinois. Um, and yeah. Now, that's a pretty good journey because it showed you how like you earned it because that coming up short, I know how that feels in my athletic career. I had a similar journey in athletics. I always came up one short and it's like, what is going on? Like, why am I doing this? And it kind of builds that resilience, you know? And the fact that you have that exercise science background, now that I know that it, it shows very well. And that, I think that's a cool thing that it may not be directly, because I know you mentioned your fitness instructor as well, right? So like yeah. you did the typical route, what you do with it. Cause I also have exercise science degree as well on top of my psychology. So another commonality we have, but it's like, you use it beyond just training people. Obviously that's a great job to have because you're helping people in real time, get in shape or eat healthier, be better for overall life. But the fact that your content, because I've seen fitness influencers for lack of a better word, and it's, it's more motivational. It's more like keep pushing yourself, which is fine. I'm as a site guy, I have my own thoughts on that stuff. And I'm sure you've seen some of your psychology videos you do too, but it's like, you're actually going in, like I said, no jargon. Like I saw the video you did about weight loss. That's the same way I used to teach it when I was a professor teaching wellness and exercise science. And it's like, my students had no interest in fitness or exercise. They had no interest in exercise physiology, but I had to make them care. And how you did it, you, you gave a, like a step-by-step -step of first, you think, I think you said like, just understand that you need to change and don't be aware of your ignorance that you don't know all this stuff because people get overwhelmed, you know? So that's a great approach. Yeah, they, they do. They do get overwhelmed. And um, what's interesting about that is I, I had this interesting relationship with school um, going throughout. And I remember I was making these videos while in college. And I, I remember having a class uh, with a friend of mine and, and we were on our way out of class and we were walking down the ramp out of class and she goes, Hey Johnny, I really liked your last video. You remind me of a great teacher that I want. Like you're very engaging. You should probably go into teaching. You should look into that. And at that moment, that's when it dawned on me that, Oh, okay. The thing that I, I despise the homework and the, the, the AP class, I'm, I'm a teacher. It dawned on me like, okay, this is, this is how, this is my path. This is what I'm putting on earth to do is to teach. And, um, yeah, I, I just found that so fascinating because that was the moment that I actually realized that like, oh, I can actually call myself a teacher. I think my pursuit and uniqueness, because I always had wanted to do things a little different. I think my pursuit of uniqueness is the, eventually what kind of spawned No Lab Core Required. Um, because of course I could have I could have been a, a wonderful teacher. Um, but I, I think I wanted to do it more so in my way. And that's that's how I got here. So no, nah, it's a great concept. I love that name too. No lab coat required. Like it literally illustrates your brand perfectly. People get caught up in the what's the newest trend, what's the newest fad. You're like, nah, let's skip all of that. You. Let's get to the science, but we're gonna do it so you get it. Like I said, I always say I'm gonna explain to you like you're five years old. That's what the way I look at it. So that's the perfect way to take it. But um going on to the psych for because like this channel is not just for health and wellness, but definitely for mental health and mental performance. And you did numerous videos on these topics. You did one on social media. I saw you did one about having never had a bad day again. And I really like how you approach it. That title was very good. And it wasn't like clickbaity. It's like, it says something like, okay, never have a bad day, but how do I do that? And then the approach was like being self-aware, like you said, that emotion regulation. And the thing is you still use terms that illustrate it in a, a scientific way, but it's not like over the top because emotion regulation does get used a lot. Like in my line of work, I hear words like emotion regulation, emotional intelligence, trauma, narcissist. I hear so many terms. And they're always misused, but you're that using them correctly. <laughs> yeah, it is just overwhelming. But um, going off of the, the emotion regulation and just the stress management type of things, you had an analogy. We talked about this off camera about how we're both big on using analogies to describe scenarios to make it more understandable. And you used one from a classic video game. It was a uh, Mario Kart, the blue shell analogy. 
Can you break that down? Because I, I, I love analogies and it was for psychology and mental health. So it was right up my alley. So I would love you to illustrate that for us. Absolutely. Oh, that's so awesome. At first, I appreciate the words. Uh, secondly, the blue shell analogy is something that I realized. Um, I don't play a lot of Mario Kart, but I remember the good times when I did play a lot of Mario Kart. And I remember when someone would throw a blue shell, if I'm cruising in first place, it's upsetting because there's nothing you can do. A blue shell, for those that aren't familiar, the blue shell will come from whatever place is behind you if they activate a blue shell it's going to come up and it's going to essentially literally explode you and you will go from first place usually down to somewhere further and the blue shell it's it's heat seeking it's tracking it's direct and there's nothing you can do the blue shell will always hit you if you're in first place so i thought of this analogy because i was like there's nothing you can do about that what ends up happening is that i don't think i've ever got hit with the blue shell and just put my controller down and stop racing so I'm thinking like, that's a lot like what life gives you with your emotions. A lot of time, you can't control your emotions. They're going to impact you. And, and more so, life is going to impact you. Um, and emotions are, are really just coming from life happening to you. The, the thing that we have to understand is that we can't control life just as much as we can't control somebody behind us throwing a blue shell. But we can control our response. And just like we respond in Mario Kart to just keep driving, a lot of times we can translate that into life and, and decide to keep driving. Um, no matter what place you end up in, if you if you keep keeping the pedal down, you never know what, you know, you could still win that race. So um, I thought that was an awesome analogy that I thought of um, because that, that dang blue shell, man. <laughs> now I hit home and I'm sure most people that were born at least by 1981 will re relate to that because that's, yeah. I guess that's another thing with your channel that I like that it resonates with a generation that, it can go lower to kids probably under 21 and under and people that's 35 and up because you reach it in an entertaining way that it's fun and engaging, but you use references that most people will get. And I think that's where a lot of channels that are educational may miss the mark. You got those channels that are, they're more like by the book lecture style. And I toggle between both. I have somewhere I'm more lecture style, but I have someone I'm more entertaining. And I try to jump between both, but it's like that relatability is key. Cause going back to when you were in school, right? You said, you needed that attention. You you had to fill it up with being a clown or joking around or getting in trouble, even though it was an extreme trouble, but you had to fill that void. And let's be real. That's a lot of kids these days. I, I work with kids with ADHD. I, I create programs for cognitive training for people with ADHD from all levels and not to segue into just ADHD, but when you're getting taught something, who wants to be lectured and just told stuff versus saying, hey, you're a part of my conversation or you're part of my, my lesson. And I think that's something we missed on a lot of like, not just on YouTube education, but just education and, and schools in general. It is, it is. And I can, the thing is, I can take that. I can actually be the person to sit down in the lecture um, because a lot of times I, I call myself a curator versus a creator sometimes mm. because what I'm doing is, like I said, I'm taking what these researchers are using in this very lofty jargon-filled uh, white paper language and I'm taking it down and I'm curating uh, bits and pieces from that. But I'm also curating stuff from people who are just on YouTube literally posting their lectures, right? So a lot of times in order for me to understand this topic enough to explain it on a general level, I have to kind of get down and dirty in the weeds with some of the people who are well more experienced than me in the, in these particular fields. So that's why I always address this stuff as humbly as I can and say, listen, I'm a student first because there are people with way more expertise. Um, and, and you being one, right? If you were to post something about a particular condition or a particular uh, way that people address their fitness or anything like that, and you post like a lecture on that, I can essentially go to your lecture, uh, take out bits and pieces, spin it in a way, find some research uh, or check the research that you used and, and kind of... Um, find a different uh, a, a different amounts of that from different people and kind of put it all in one for someone to be able to uh, make that connection for themselves because uh, that work is still valuable. The lectures are still valuable because there's people like me that need that, right? So I think there's, there's, a, there's a place for both and, and that's the beautiful part of it. And what I ended up learning about myself um, with that kind of period of self-awareness I was going through in college is that I always, I I I, I remember my senior year being tough because my senior year in um, high school particularly being tough because I wasn't getting it in class. I just didn't get it. And what I did in college that was different was that I still didn't get it, but 
I would take my work out of lecture. I would go to the library. I would put my phone on Do Not Disturb. I would sit down and I would make myself get it. And I think that developed my, my style of teaching because I was so focused on trying to make it make sense for myself because you get into the you get into a lecture and the professors this is like their third or fourth class of the day and it's just you're not always there so they they can be a little and plus they they have their own jargon as well um so it's like it's hard to be there in the moment and actually learn so i force myself to do that outside of lecture and what i learned is that the way that i'm teaching myself i can translate that and, and and try to help others with that as well so i developed that style from sitting in those in those lectures and realizing there's something i could do that's that's better than this so yeah. You're like a translator. <laughs> but, <laughs> Absolutely. So going back, because we mentioned it first, that's how I found you, the butter video. So let's let's break that down because let's give a preface. Everyone here is all types of fitness and health myths, or maybe if you don't know it's a myth, you might think it's law. Like one that was pretty famous as well. I don't know if you did a video about this is about eggs being bad for you. That's a big one. Butter's in there. So one, what made you get into like saying, let me attack or this specific video, let me attack this myth head on because this one did way more numbers. Like obviously you have videos with hundreds of thousands of views, but this one did, I think 3 million. So what do you think? Like, how did you go about this? And like, it, like I said, it hooked me in and then I had to keep watching, but it's like, let's talk about what went into that video. Why did it get popular? you think? And then why is butter misconceived? Because this is a representation of like, why people usually don't achieve their goals because they're fed these like marketing lies. And you made a video about that I saw too. So there's so much that video can represent. So yeah, let, let, let's talk about that. Um, I'm happy that the butter video was the one because like you said, it's so much that it can that it kind of encompasses. And I was like, I, I really want as many people to get this as possible. So I'm happy that that was like my biggest one. Um, the butter thing is everybody has an opinion on butter everyone has an opinion on butter so of course they are going to kind of come into this video with their own um conception of butter already or perception of butter or their own opinion and for me i i start i start the video off how most people probably wouldn't most people are going to start the video off and you can tell what boat they're in kind of immediately like oh this guy's pro butter this guy's anti-butter um but what i wanted to do is get everybody to lower their shoulders put your guard down, let's address this from the top and go down from there. And, and I think that's why it worked. And I think that's why I had such great mass appeal with, because people was, was realizing that this isn't a guy who's just sharing his opinion. This is a guy who's taking as much research as he can get and kind of breaking down the actual story. Um, and, and, and the truth is butter is divisive. I don't know if, if that video mm -hmm. like converts people over, but I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of giving people context and insight. So a lot of times um, you, you, a lot of people are struggling with, I heard health, which is essentially health that's based on things that people heard. So I heard this is good for you. Oh, I heard cholesterol has, uh, eggs have too much cholesterol. I heard that's bad for you. Oh, I heard butter does this in your arteries. And it's this, I heard, I heard this, I heard that. And that's kind of a plague in itself for for people who, um, for all of us, because we all need to learn more. And my goal is like, how can we give people something that isn't just based on I heard? So it's like, well, we could lead off with the research and 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 hopefully communicate the thing well enough for people to, to grasp it. So for me, that's what the goal with the Butter video was. And I think that's why it did so well. Now the algorithm definitely showed you some love there. <laughs> but you want me to really- being a science guy myself and teaching exercise science and being in that major is like when you said HDLs, LDL is like you won. I guarantee. I think that's why I did well too because you got the the general pop people through just the the hook and everything, and then you won over the people I guess more like me as well because like oh he used certain terms because it's like you kind of have to teeter totter on that line because if you get pigeonholed, like yeah. I know you mentioned off camera we we're talking about it is like. I have the same problem with some of my stuff that I do because I have an extensive background in psychology, but I kind of get pigeonholed into like reaction drills or cognitive training because I work with a lot of athletes and police officers doing that. And I'm sure you're not like, okay, my knowledge can transcend this because exercise science and physiology literally incorporates all of different aspects of our body, health, and being beyond just fitness or even nutrition. So 
like this illustrated that in different ways. And the fact that you can go beyond that. And I think that's why people, because I saw comments who said the same thing, like, oh, your butter video got me, but I, I just kept going. And it's like, you have to keep going because you want us over through the knowledge. Like I can illustrate that. I know I said it like eight times on this podcast, but it's like, when you say the know-it-allism, like that is a plague. I agree because when I taught, I had a student actually, she wore a waist trainer and I don't tell anyone what to do. But she asked my two cents. So once you ask my two cents, that's free reign, right? So <laughs> I said, you know what? Yeah. It's not going to help you burn any more calories, but it makes me sweat. Yes, that's water weight that's underneath your skin, subcutaneous water. You'll lose that. Fine. But guess what? You're going to eat and drink and it's going to come back. And she broke it down because in my class, I'm big on if it's wrong, I'm fine with that. But explain to me how you got there. What was your rationale? Because maybe your rationale made sense and you just messed up somewhere. So she gave the rationale and she said that the waist trainer, since it senses your waist, it squeezes your organs, true. And this was her reasoning. I tried not to laugh because obviously I'm in the position of being a teacher, but everyone else did because she said it keeps the waist tight in the stomach so less food can get in. So I'm like, is it like an O-band surgery basically you're trying to? She kind of like <laughs> used that logic. So while everyone's laughing, I'm like, you know what? I'm not mad at you. You're wrong, but... I see what got you there. And I told all my students, don't ever, I gave her props because she was brave to go one against me. And I'm like, I don't know everything. I, I tell them, Google me right now. That's the beauty of being in the 21st century. If you don't believe, yeah. I know other <laughs> teachers might not do this, but I said, if you can Google it and I misspoke, I was happily accepted because I, well, I think with Socrates, I only know that I don't know. There's some things, like That's you said before, so you can't cover everything. So I don't see, I, matter of fact, I know I'm on a little tirade too, so I'll let you get back to you, but you think, how does that affect us? And I'm gonna tie this in with social media that the expert has kind of been killed off. Like it's okay to not mm. be a PhD in a topic, but you do have to do a little mm. bit of research, a little bit of digging. I think social media personally kind of did away because now I can just, like you said, I get the, I heard nutrition or the, I heard facts. I saw a post mm -hmm. versus I read, an article or I read a research paper, right? So what do you think as far as like, not just social media, but maybe that is a part of how the, the expert or just a knowledgeable person kind of is getting killed off by the, due to, due to the fact we have too much access and things get lost in transition. Mm, um, I am enjoying this conversation. <laughs> hey, the, the, the social media is a conundrum, man. It's, it's a new variable, a new factor that we have to put into consideration in society because society is not the same as it was prior to 2012 when social media kind of started to blow up. What we end up happening, what we end up having now is that people have a megaphone and we always have had our opinions. We always have heard things, but now we just have somewhere to share them. And what you end up seeing is it's crazy um, headlines or crazy statements, you notice that the things that go the most viral are the things that are said in the most definitive manner. So what do I mean by that? If uh, if you say something like, hey, I was doing some research and I have some thoughts about eggs and they probably are a little bit misconceived. If you say that, or if you say something like, uh, if you say that and you and you contrast that with somebody posting Listen, man, I just had eggs. I got the stomach flu. This stuff is the worst thing ever. I heard that this doctor said he doesn't recommend eggs. Eggs are trash. Like that post is probably going to get a little bit more traffic than the one prior. And people kind of um, are attracted to the, the division in a way, uh, the negativity in a way. Um, so I think the reason why your job is so important and my job is so important and people who and people who address that, like you said, I don't know. Oh man, that that literally is the best music. That is music to my ears because it it allows people to be in a safe place to actually say I don't know and to learn, and it's really refreshing. So I think that's another reason why the butter video kind of blew up because I kind of started off with that. Hey, listen, it's okay to not know. Um, and really, that's my message, man. I I think not knowing. Uh, we're, we're we're coming. I feel as if there's a shift taking place, um, and it could just be me because I'm kind of in my own world, right? But I, I I I'm hopeful for a shift of people starting to say I don't know because you see it on TikTok as well. People who haven't done a liquor research and they're starting to say these things and like the girl with the waist trainer, for example, that you uh, that you um, 
talked about, she has actually solid rationale. Like if I explained that to my nephew, he would probably be like, oh, you know what? That makes sense. Um, but there are people who dedicate their lives to understanding these things. And I think referencing them and then coming uh, from a place of being as humble as po possible, like, hey, they are the experts. Um, I'm just sharing the message uh, the best way that I can and kind of being clear and transparent about that is really helpful. So I think it's really... Um, I think it's really refreshing because social media is just, everybody has a voice and it's, it's hard to know what the validity is behind because now you have the uh, problems with fake news and we're trying to figure out what is even AI doing in all of this? Like who, you know, where do you find this stuff? So I think there's gems of people like yourself and, and myself who are willing to say, Hey, listen, I've done the best work that I can do on this subject matter. And I still have not shut the door on my conclusion. It's still eased open because uh, there's always more to learn. You can use it even like a fitness analogy, right? When the muscle gets broken down, it gets fatigued, those micro tears, and it gets sore, then you get healed, then you get stronger. Same thing in the knowledge. Like, you only can learn what we learn because someone did it wrong, got proven wrong, and then we had to rebuild and get back. So I guess Fascinating. That's, that's my analogy right there <laughs> on the spot. Yeah. Quick thinking, right? But um, but yeah, so yeah. like this conversation is very interesting because there's two individuals who both agree that you got to learn more and know more. And I think we made it our lives work to a degree because YouTube creation, I guess we can get into this because I have numerous people I know who like me, my following on YouTube, I'm just getting started on there on Instagram's a little bit better. And, and I think yours, you, I think you had 115 or 116. So you're doing pretty well. So it's like having these avenues to be able to even speak on these topics so people can hear you. So what is your like, maybe take on that, like building that brand, because obviously you didn't wake up with a hundred thousand. So what was that journey like? Yeah. It's especially in this field. Yeah, man, it's an interesting balance. And I think you actually touched on it earlier when you said there's a, you're kind of teeter tottering because you have an audience to cater to. You're catering to people who are essentially who I used to be, which is the person who is like, I wish somebody can explain this to me as if I don't know anything about it. So you have the people who are becoming newly health conscious, which I, I coined, that's my audience, the newly health conscious person. Mm -hmm. And then you have the person who is of expertise, like yourself, who comes into the video and they're like, hey, this guy is breaking things down pretty simply, but I know more about this topic. Let's see if he gets it right. And then I end up making sense. And they're like, okay, he got it right. So I'm catering to both of these people. And the reason that it works is because I'm 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 kind of covering that 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 audience. But what ends up happening is that you you do how to you kind of get these comments of people who are the experts and and they say things like, um, they they would like connect correct your uh definition like a snarky way. Um, you can kind of tell when people are genuine and then you can tell when they're kind of disingenuous and then you can tell the people who like literally they will comment their life has changed through a video and then you have the people who say oh well, this is a great job so you get you you're catering to your audience is what i'm getting at because i think that's the only way to amass the following that that i have that i've gotten uh, even to the point to where it is um it's because i'm i'm essentially a conduit because people have a craving for the truth even if they don't acknowledge it people would love to have the truth and the beautiful thing about being wrong is that it the 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 you get you get to the truth faster if if you if you can be wrong more times than not you're probably going to get to the truth faster than a person who has closed the door on a conclusion and believe they know it all um so the know it all is my nemesis <laughs> and i think kind of having that that branding all come together of hey listen you don't need a lab coat to be in here um, and I, I'm a big proponent of anti-know-it-all-ism. <laughs> so you you put those things together and, it, and it's very welcoming for people like, hey, let's let's go learn. Because actually one of the greatest driving factors of humanity is curiosity. And I just read this interesting um, thing about science. I wish I remember the guy's name. I'm so sad that it escapes me. But he was a philosopher and he had said that science is basically only going to work if we start proving each other wrong and his idea caught on because it was like, Oh, that makes sense. We need to be wrong about stuff in order to get to the conclusion. Um, so that is extremely fascinating. I will literally, once this goes up on your channel, I'm going to comment um, his name because I have to look it up because yeah, I'm sad that I don't remember, but yeah. Isn't that like a proof of what you're all, you're literally talking about? Like, Hey, sometimes you don't know, does that discredit your knowledge? It doesn't. Yeah. Like some people <laughs> might, but real talk, some people you probably seen on your channel, some people might discredit you. It's happened to me. It's like I misspoke. I, I, I one time I did a video, and it's actually 
my one of my most successful videos because I have two channels. The one this will be on the mental Mr. Mental Muscle channel and another one called the Mental Breakdown, where I use more like current events and stuff and talk about psychology. And I use a show called Love Is Blind. So this show, I watch it with my girl, and it's like a bunch of couples going at it. And I say, huh, there's some signs of like I can explain the stress uh, adaptation and CBT therapy in this episode. And I did, and it got like 90,000 views. So for me, that was, that was at that point, my biggest video after that was 30, and I averaged maybe like a few hundred. So good for me. But I said PTSD, my brain thought the correct way, but my mouth said the wrong way. So post-traumatic stress disorder. So I meant to say post, meaning it's after the traumatic event. So you're stuck on something that happened before. But what I said was you're stuck on the trauma that, that happened, be, or I said it happened before. That's what post means. So I literally said post means before. And they tore me apart. And it's like, okay, that one right. misstep in an eight-minute video. So it's like going back to the point, like you not knowing. Some people are like, well, how can I take them serious? Like, really? All that other great stuff he said, we're human. Like, this goes back to our point of both of us who keep beating down with a dead horse. Is like, you're not going to know. You're going to forget things. And in psychology, we call that the tip of the tongue theory. And usually when you talk about it more or think about it more, you forget it more. So the best bet is to stop yeah. thinking about it. <laughs> And it comes back. And that's literally what they call it, tip of the tongue theory. So it's like, that's all it really is. You'll probably be walking down the street, walking your dog or making some food. And it's like, aha, and it, it comes back. So, <laughs> and, and if I could add something to that, um, I don't know how well this plays into everything, but I, I, I just learned about the tall poppy syndrome, which is fascinating to me. And I think some people may have this, um, this attitude in comment sections, particularly since you brought up comments, uh, comment sections, the tall poppy syndrome is essentially a, a tall poppy field is, um, they're supposed to grow evenly. So in a tall poppy field, if there's a poppy that's growing too tall, the farmer's going to come by and he's going to chop it down to the other level of the poppy, uh, the other poppies. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of a societal view as well, a societal analogy, because a lot of times when something is taller and speaking more confidently and uh, expresses uh, knowledgeability about a certain topic, um, and there are others that are kind of on the, the same level and they are um, in this same field with you, they kind of feel threatened and they want that farmer to come by and come chop that off so, they can, so you can come down to their height. So a lot of times people aren't really watching your videos um, to learn, sometimes they're just waiting for you to slip up and get something mm. wrong because they want, they want to find that thing. That's like, I gotcha. This is going to bring you down to where I am. Because a lot of times that could, as, as I'm sure, you know, some of the psychology behind that could be, um, uh, insecurity or things of that mm -hmm. nature. But a lot of times that, that is kind of, that's another plague, right? That's another plague of, of humanity is, is, is you can do good, but you can't do better than me in my field. And I think that's, I think that's a, a huge thing as well. Have you heard of that? The, the top poppy? No. I just learned that. No, I, I'm not familiar with that term. I like it. See, once again, I'm learning new stuff and this, that these are a lot of clippable moments too. So I like this <laughs> and it's kind of like, um, I'm sure, but I'm not going to, I'm doing what you say. I'm not going to assume, you know, but I'll ask either way. You familiar with uh, Plato's The Cave? No, I'm not. Okay. So Plato, obviously people probably heard that name, great Greek uh, philosopher. So um, he had an allegory where it was three men bound in a cave, chained, I should say, to the floor. And behind them, there's a big fire and people doing like puppets to the shadows on the wall in front of them, demonstrating things that are in the real world, uh, birds, trees, uh, butterflies, so forth. So for their whole lives, this is all they've ever seen. So one day, one of the guys get let loose and he starts walking out the cave. He's like stumbling over because he's been sitting down watching these fake uh, puppet images. And he finally gets a light in his eyes. Like, oh my God, what, what is that? And he gets out. It's the world. He sees real birds. He, see, he sees real trees. He sees streams, butterflies, whatever. Mm. He said, I got to tell everybody, this is what's out here. He runs back into the two other guys' chain. He's like, hey, you won't believe this. There's a real world out there. And I've seen real butterflies, real trees, real rivers, real birds. And they're like, okay, I don't believe you. You're crazy. And then he gets defeated and he sits back down and goes back to being in that world of what we think. And it's, it's like numerous ways that can go. I brought it up because of the poppy thing because mm. it's like he got shot down for being more aware because mm. like, well, we don't know that world. What, what the heck are you talking about? Or you can look at it as 
of the facade of what we call the world, there's more to it. So, but they, I think they both go hand in hand because either way you look at it, you have to be open to one, one of those concepts to grow and, and thrive. And it's like, we live in a world that's where almost 8 billion people. And it's like, we all have these dreams. And I know it's 2023 and it's like, we can be anything we want. Not, I'm big on that because at the end of the day, you have potential. Will there be hindrances? I'm not going to be like, there isn't anything wrong. And like you talked about your video with never have a bad day, you covered this perfectly, but you have to be reasonable with what you can control. And a lot of people, they get caught up in like, this is what the world is. I can't do this. But we have the standard of, I want to be, whether it's a million dollar house or fancy cars, lavish lifestyle. And I think that goes to segue into another topic, like, Maybe that's where that anxiety and that depression comes in. So we can jump into that. So what are your thoughts on, not necessarily what I just said, but just anxiety, depression, mental health, because comparison's a part of it, the new world. Like you said, you said this perfectly, and I believe that. And I actually have a concept I call, there's no more saber-toothed tigers, because the ancient world has a lot of adaptations that are still relevant, like the stress response and things like that. But we don't have the ancient world stressors. Therefore, we have to fill that void, and we're neurologically wired to adapt to that stuff, but it ain't there anymore. So that's why I say there's no more saber tooth tigers. Mm -hmm. But what what is your take? Mm -hmm. Why are we stressing? Like I want to hear you because you have some good points in your video. So I want the people to know what you think on that. Why are we stressing more, worried more, depressed more? Man, that I was so fired up about my generation, particularly, and, and the generation coming up under me, um, and, and then the generation coming up under them because they're going to have it pretty rough when when social media is. Uh, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know because Apple just came out with this thing that's on their face and, and social media, they're like literally in, I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> Apple Vision Pro, it's called. It's just, it's, it's a crazy world they're going to get into. But I was so fascinated and, and um, I felt so compelled to actually talk about social media because it encompasses wellness. And the reason it's such a big deal for my generation is because we, we came up with it and, and the generation under me are going to come up with it. The thing that I think a lot of, like you said, a lot of people talk about the emotion regulation, which I believe is a huge piece of the conversation. Um, and if you lack the self-awareness and you kind of jump into the field, you're catapulted in the field of social media and you don't have the tools or the language, that can really mess you up. Because what's happening when you're scrolling on social media is, as we know, we're, we're scrolling, hey, we're seeing the highlights of people's lives. And that's going to it's going to, of course, elicit some amount of comparison, which is actually natural. It's very normal for humans to compare themselves. It's something that we we probably wish we didn't do, but it's normal. The problem is that humans just started comparing themselves every five seconds with a different person posting their highlights. That just started happening. So we, we aren't totally sure how to go about that, but we've always kind of looked at our neighbor and said, hey, I, I don't know, I, I kind of want it. So it, that's normal. Um, Handling that is really the what makes the difference. Um, and what ends up happening is that's a massive piece of the conversation. But I also believe it has a lot to do with simply the idea of time management. Because what scrolling does is it literally takes time away from you living your ideal life. Because a lot of people have this, this vision of what they want their life to be. And sometimes when you're on social media, <laughs> I think the average... This is a second, so I want to say this is a secondhand, uh, secondhand stat. I did hear this, so I didn't look this up, um, but I heard that the average person spends somewhere around three hours on social media, and to me, that is absolutely mind blowing. I'm um, just talking about a guy who has always had a gripe with social media. I remember uh, being in eighth grade, and I I didn't have a phone until until eighth grade, and this is when kind of the iPhone, um, everybody had it, and and everybody was on social media. And I didn't get like a social media app until like maybe my sophomore, junior year of, of high school back then. Everybody was on this at the time. I was late to the game because I always thought there was just something off about it. Um, it really just sums up to the fact that I'm a little uncomfortable with it. That's really the sum summation of it all. But what I think people struggle with that they don't realize is they are literally taking time away from themselves and they aren't creating their ide idealized life. And they are watching people post their highlight reel. And, and there's this direct dissension with that because you literally are not only comparing yourself, which is a huge thing of the a conversation. We always hear that. But you are also literally just wasting your time. And, and, and social media for a lot of people is the real world. You don't understand 
how much you 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 cherish like your family and your friends and once you step away from social media, like when you step away from social media, you realize that you can actually go without it. It's it's a strange concept, but you can actually go without it and you realize what's really important to you. So I think I think my generation and, and then um, my generation coming up under uh, under me have a uh, unique struggle with that. But really, it's it's all humanity at, at this point, as we know, because social media is massive and, and TikTok is growing to be one of the biggest platforms of them all. And, and TikTok is literally an algorithm that's serving you something uh, based on what you've previously engaged with and and you're literally in your own ecosystem and mm-hmm. we don't understand the the repercussions of this uh totally yet but we're starting to put language behind it which is uh which is good but i think i think it i think a big struggle like i said is the the comparison and that that time management you know that's a good take because uh the comparison thing i know that's one i talk about a lot but i never looked at it from obviously time it does consume time but the fact that like you said you can't be doing other things if you're consumed with looking because it's literally just looking even if you're messaging now if it's business or networking literally how we connected i can get that but that that didn't take me all day that took me 10 minutes to write up an email send it to you and whatnot and then i watched your videos which honestly i don't mind that kind of watching because i got something out of that and i'm not saying i don't Same watch here. non-educational stuff so anyone who thinks like oh he only watch because people always ask me do you watch fun shows i'm like well <laughs> you find this fun because i find a lot of things i maybe i'm gonna lose like everything i like i think it's fun but Maybe that right. segue on, or not segue, but uh, piggyback on that. Maybe that's another factor is like the perception of what we should like has been changed because I can remember. So like I said, mm. uh, you said you graduated high school in 2017. I graduated high school in 2017. Yes. So I graduated high school in 2007. So we're literally right before I'm, I'm a millennial or whatever. So it's like, I got some of that world where there was no social media. There was no, cell, or if there were cell phones, don't get me wrong, but it was like, only businessmen really had them. Like if you were a fancy businessman, you pull out this big, <laughs> like brick looking wow. thing, right? So that was the extent. So when I was uh, high school, junior or sophomore, I think MySpace and YouTube came out. So they were there, but they weren't in, like you made a perfect uh, turning point. I agree with you, 2012, because at that point I was 24. So it's like, I was a teenager when it came out. But it wasn't ingrained in a lot. I can tell you, I went to college from 2007 to 2011. I can count maybe on both hands how many times max that my phone came out during an event or during an outing. Wow. And that wow. that's being probably generous because it's like, it, it's not that say, oh, we just had it better. No, it's not one of those. I'm not one of those people. But it's just like the, the, the integration in our life, I think, just catapulted around 2012 because Twitter was exploding. Um, Instagram had just came out. And it's like, it gave us this access, like you said, that now we don't have to necessarily interact with people. Going back to like how we evolved to be social creatures, humans evolved to be social. This is why I love psychology because it covers everything. It's not just your mental health. It's also how we like socially evolved because social and society was necessary, right? Like we couldn't been, we couldn't have gotten to where we are if we didn't work together in communities. So it's like now social media, ironically, takes that away because I, I joke with my 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 brother's a little bit younger, so but I, I say to him, yeah, like most people probably 20 and under will never really know how it feels to like really get to know like someone they're dating without any social media interference. Think about that, because I recall having to call a girl's house and saying, hey, is is Lisa home and her dad? Who's this? Uh, this is Nick. Who's yeah. Nick? And I hang up scared. Now I can literally text the girl on Instagram or DM or whatever. And it's like. I can come off as anyone I want because I could Google something smooth or even with AI, you can literally (laughs) send messages and you can edit it and make it sound better. And I'm not saying it's a bad, I think that's a double-edged sword where we are with technology and social Mm -hmm. media because it's great. How are we able to convey messages across the world instantly that's scientific or even life-saving like medicine and stuff? Great. Or even just like, if I haven't seen my family in months, I could FaceTime them. But when it gets to the point where this is all the things we do to communicate, like, mm. I'm guilty of this. I can say, I don't know about you, if you can say, I've actually, like, when I was single, dated girls, or not dated, but led up to dating girls, and it didn't go anywhere. It was just texting back and forth. And I'm like, huh, I have no idea how their voice sounds. And I'm like, <laughs> that, that was weird. I'm like, and, I, and I, yeah. I had to get off those apps because that was just weird to me because yeah. that, that's not normal. Like, it's not bad. It's just, it's just not how we were wired, I guess. 
but that's that's my rant on that. Yeah, <laughs> man, it's it's so fascinating. I'm so I'm like you said, psychology encompasses it all, and it's so fascinating, man, because uh, it there's a generational response that's different as well. Um, there there's this term called Riz, which I just learned, and it's kind of crazy because it's short for charisma. I just learned it too. And it, yeah, what, and, what? And, and, and kids I had are no idea. This. I had no idea that's what it meant. Wow, you yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's short for charisma. <laughs> yep, it's short for charisma. Oh, I'm clicking um, that. <laughs> and like you said, a lot of people remember the days where they had to call the the, the father. Um, can I speak to? Can I speak to your daughter? Like you, you have to knock on doors. You, you're you're playing outside, and you have to actually talk. And you are naturally growing socially that way because you are practicing socialness. So, like you said, it's ironic with social media because you are in a space where it's literally called social media and you probably are the least social version of yourself when you're on it. So what's fascinating is that the reason that they are fascinated with, with the kids are calling it a Riz, a younger, the younger generation are calling it Riz is because like charisma is this thing now. Like charisma <laughs> probably shouldn't be a thing. We should all have a, a degree of charisma. Like, of course, we have some people who are a little bit more shy or introverted or extroverted or whatever, but charisma should not be like this this praise thing like of course it's like cool but i thought it was very fascinating i i truly do believe that term came about to be because we look at social our social ability we look at we look at it differently especially the generation coming up uh behind us uh so i i, I it's like you said it's a double-edged sword because we get so much value out of it and so much connection in a, in a um intentional and meaningful way like we can literally talk to people across the world like that's incredible um but in a lot of ways, it can literally just waste your time. <laughs> so like you said, double-edged sword, man, it's fascinating. All right. So I want to ask something before we wrap up. So there was one of your videos. I think it also was on that video about uh, never have a bad day. I could be wrong. But you were asking a few questions about like it was like dream body versus no taxes, favorite food versus uh, perfect credit. And some of the answers, depending on who you ask, like, you would think uh, some would be obvious, like the perfect credit one. The person's like, well, what food is it? Is it my favorite food? And it's like, wait, what? And it's like, it's just interesting how we value things and going back to like why social media has influenced us, how we stress over things. It's like, why do you think we're getting to the point where it's a questionable thing? Because given our society, obviously credit is not the end all be all, but given the society we live in, it's like getting put in these, these uh, I like how you had these, these, these questions. Like how could... We get to the point where these are actually questions like, do I go for this or that? Like, how do we get to this point where that's not an easy yes to, oh, no taxes or or perfect credit? Um, it's it's still in the realm of socialness, so that's that's for sure. I think the reason we are kind of there and we're kind of juggling it is because we there there is this pressure, and I'm gonna come back around and explain it, but I have to start here. Social media, the concept of it itself, in terms of it being a, a, in the fabric of humanity, is not new. Posting pictures, if we take Instagram, for example, posting pictures on Instagram uh, is really just us hanging up photos in our home and inviting people over to check out the photos or um, going through the um, the uh, the book. The I can't even remember the name of the book now, like the, the photo journal, the photo book, mm -hmm. um, inviting your company over. You're going, you got like a photo journal, a photo book, and, and you're going through it. Or, photo album. Yeah, the photo album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're going through. Um, you can literally, it's showing, right? It's showing how much social media hasn't affected it. Um, but you, this is not like you want to show this stuff off. The thing that's uh, different now is that it's it's just hyper, and it's every five seconds. Like you can get through a timeline. You can see within the span of sixty seconds, you could come across literally like 15, 20 different things, and that becomes a reality to you, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And what that reality does is it adds a certain pressure because really what we're struggling with and really what we're talking about here is persona. And persona is not your personality. Persona is kind of your view, uh, people's view of you. So you can literally change your persona. You can um, have a certain persona online, which may or may not match the person in reality, but you can literally express yourself in the way that you want. And that ends up being hard when you're faced with the question of, 
do you would you rather have like any food drink or water or like the taxes like when you, you this shouldn't be a, a hard question or you would think not but when you think about like the social benefits of having a a, a nice body versus having like a, a good tax i can't remember the exact questions i asked but when you think about it there's there's the social aspect that makes me say hey i actually do want this but what i had to actually learn for myself and what I, I think a lot of people have to ask themselves is am i doing this for me or is this something that i would do even if i couldn't show it to anyone else so it's wrestling with that. It's wrestling with that because that at the end of the day, if you're working and you're doing things and you're performing based uh, based on building your persona to post, then I think that's a detriment. I, I literally know people who would decline a trip or decline somewhere if they couldn't bring their phone uh, because they know they want to take the pictures and share it, right? So it's it's literally like I know people who would not do something because they couldn't share it. Right. And you get this this attitude about it. And that's and that's for me is very disheartening. Um, like I said, I always had a gripe with social media. I remember back in college, quick story. Um, in um my freshman year of college, this was I I had I, I found my circle, I found my group. We would have dinner in the cafeteria in the same spot at the same time. And I was so I kind of had this disdain about phones. I literally at the time I actually wrote a paper on it for one of my classes and um I think I had like a speech on the advanced uh, advancement of technology. I always had an opinion about it and I was always skeptical of it. And I remember like kind of being in that, in that mode with myself and I would literally force myself to leave my phone in my, in my dorm room, walk across campus to the cafeteria, sit down and be without my phone. And, and, and I would do this every single day. I would sit down and eat with them and not be on my phone or have it to address it at all. And at that time, which is crazy to say that was not long ago. Um, it was okay. Like it, no one's, everybody isn't on their phone, but now, I mean, literally I just went out with some friends and I, I pressed them on this, like, y'all, y'all got y'all phones out. Like what, who are you talking to that is more important than the people you are sitting down dining with? So for me, that's a huge, that's more of a pet peeve, but I think that is a problem because, um, in, in sitting down and dining with people, like these are normal things that are, uh, that should be that should be welcomed and celebrated uh, in your family. It's the simple things, and I think we make it a little bit more complex, and we kind of murk it up when we bring our phones into the mix. No, I agree because I see like videos of concerts and online, and uh, coincidentally online, and <laughs> it'll be like a hundred or thousands of people holding their phones up, and it's like. Uh, there are studies on this. I'm not going to quote the exact like data, but they've researched and looked into memory recall based off of viewing what they see through the phone versus seeing it through your own eyes. And there is a discrepancy. I don't know the exact numbers, but there is a discrepancy. Mm. And it's like, that's how we're looking at the world a lot. Like I, I can recall going to a concert. I had a phone, but I hate to say it, those phones weren't as good. This is like maybe 2009, 2010. So the iPhone just came out, but not a lot of people had them. So we're talking about like, sidekicks and razors i don't know if you remember those ones so those are <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like they're not the best quality so it's like you saw it from your own eyes but talk about recalling something you saw it through the screen before you saw it from the actual image in real time and that's becoming like i'm curious of what that would look like in years because we talk about like just neuroscience how our brain mm -hmm. retrieves and recalls and, and creates memories it's really just a, a formation of neurons that have to be encoded first but if you don't encode it properly you can't recall it properly. It's kind of like when you like mm -hmm. go to a big parking mall or a mall with a big parking lot and you just go to the stores, spend two, three hours, have a great time. Maybe you can hang out with friends, get some shopping, whatever. You come back out, you can't find your car. It's not because you forgot. You didn't encode it properly. So going to my point, it's like if we're viewing everything through mm -hmm. the second degree instead of the first degree, I'm curious what the years look like that. Maybe, maybe that might yeah. do something to our brains. I don't, that's the beauty of science, right? I'm sure there's things on this and we know. might see in 20, 30 years because modern cell phones have only been around since, like you said, the first iPhone was like 08, 09. So only 14 years. So we are yet to mm. see the, the full ramifications of how having smartphones that not only just distract us mentally, but actually have there's physiological uh, aspects of our brain adapting. Matter of fact, going to another point with the phones. Have you heard of phantom phone syndrome? Yes. Oh, yeah. So like people who don't know about that is when you're you're phone you think it vibrated or rang and you check it periodically and that's like a form of like say uh operant conditioning right because it's like a um mm. like like when you go to a slot machine you pull it and you hope you win you hope you win it's like you're checking for the win 
and there's nothing there. You check it again, there's nothing there. And it's like, yeah. our brains literally have been wired. So that's something that is not in the DSM-5 yet, but I'm curious if that becomes a diagnosable disorder in the next 15, 20 years, wow. because it may not be that detrimental to your life, but let's imagine to a point like, maybe like a drug addiction has not same, but similar ramifications when you're like, it deteriorates your quality of life. Now, maybe just checking yeah. your pocket every two seconds isn't going to deteriorate you, but maybe it gets to a point where it does. So that's the beauty of like, say science. We don't know. Maybe in 10, 20 years, we'll figure out more. Maybe we'll be able to stunt it. There's actually apps. I have an associate who's building an app that fights it and it's like time controlled. It's nothing deep, but it, it's to combat that. So yeah. I, I, I hate we to say it. probably tools we can get. Mm -hmm. But I, I hate to say it, those tools might not get the full light of day because there's powers that be that wouldn't want that. Because if I'm not on my phone, I can't buy stuff. But let's not go down that can of worms, right? But um, before <laughs> we, we wrap it, I want to take all your 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 Saturday or Friday um, evening. But I always like to close out every episode, leaving the audience with two things, two. That it could be, in your case, it could be a lot because you, you educate a lot of different subjects. But two things that they can take home with them right now that will impact their performance, whether it be mentally, physically, holistically, whatever it is, two things, leave them with that and we'll close it out. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, well, first off, this is not my two things. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Nick, you're doing incredible work um, with the uh, mental muscle stuff as well. It's great. Um, this was super Thank fun. You. You're definitely going to have to have me on again. Um, your attitude toward it is what makes all the difference. And my second thing, this is also not in my two. <laughs> I, I did want to address that I do have a natural bias um, to things that humans were doing a long time ago. So, for example, if people ask me, um, is this thing healthy? Sometimes I, I tend to go toward, well, what were humans doing 500 years ago? So I did want to throw that bias out there. I do have a bias for that. And I think knowing your biases is important. So um, uh, yes. those are two things. Yeah, knowing your biases. Now we can go. So that's why you got to have. I back did an on. episode can, on biases. Go. No, we, did, okay. I'm, okay, we got to do that because I did a whole episode on yeah. not a bunch of them. I chose one survivorship bias. Are you familiar with that one? Uh, so yeah, I've heard the term. Not too, not super familiar, but I'm writing it down now. That's gonna be the okay, next one. Okay, so to. we can go into like, like that's actually I done like when I was doing my doctoral before I dropped out. I did several papers on different, but so we can say that for another day, definitely. But yeah, awesome, awesome. But thanks for the good words. Um, yeah, what are those things you got for us? Yeah, the, the two things I'll say because uh, I like practical stuff. Um, I'd walk. I I I think um, when it comes to the conversation of health and wellness, it really sometimes it boils down to um, what are your in and out tasks? What are you doing? Like, what are your habits? And I will say this: in order to try to make like shifts in your life and to improve upon yourself. Uh, you're going to have to start addressing your habits. So I think there is a real system that you can actually use for yourself. And it's a system of, of habit changing, right? So essentially what I'm saying is there's two things that you have to understand about humans. Um, they are uh, they are creatures of habit for one. And then for two, we always take the path of least resistance. So if you're looking to start to exercise more or try to um build a better habit with sleep or do something in terms of nutrition. Uh, if you're trying to build the habit, I think you need to address it with your habits first. And what that can look like is literally just reading a book. Like I'm sure folks have heard of Atomic Habits by James Clear. I haven't read that book, but I've heard, uh, or, but I, I'm reading the book, uh, the book, um, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And the book itself is great, but really what it does is it puts you in a mind frame to start paying attention to your habits. And I think that has been so inspiring and enlightening for me that I'm going to close out with that because I think that's where it starts for a lot of people. I think a lot of people are dealing with confusion and they just really want to get things, but they they don't know why they're working against themselves. I think you need to learn your habits um, because that has, that has changed my life. So pay attention to your habits by starting with the book and then build a system. A system is two things. It has rules and it's going to... Um, play into the fact that you use the path of least resistance. So I'll say, I'll give this example. I'm using this system with my sleep routine. I would always shoot myself in the foot with my sleep routine because I would literally, I sleep is super valuable to me. And I would always kind of like be up late on my computer, messing around with um, some editing that I didn't finish. And it would be so hard to pull myself from my desk and just go to bed. And I'm like, why? When I've seen, when I say this thing is so valuable to me, 
And what I learned is for me particularly, I need to use the fact that my willpower is waning by the end of the day. And I need to and I need to put the path of least resistance. I have to make that my path to bed. So I literally I got a box. I went to the department store, got a little box. And I, in this box, I put things that are used for my sleep routine. I literally put floss in there, some toothpaste, a toothbrush. Um, I put a book in there, a journal, things that I will need for my sleep routine. So that way I can literally just reach over at the end of my day and engage in my sleep routine. And that way that could that could lead to better health. So that's just my personal example. But I think people need to start with just reading about habits and, and start to build a system that works for you. So hopefully that that's valuable. No, nah, that was great. I definitely like how you went about that. And that's something simple. And I'm big on keeping it simple. So great words. All right. So plug uh, social medias, your YouTube, obviously, and any other thing you got going on, let them know and where to find you. Yeah, absolutely. What'd you say earlier? Uh, Google me. No, it's kidding. Uh, no <laughs> lab court required is where you could uh, you could throw that in YouTube. Um, that's really where I am. There's really like no TikTok or Instagram. I might do an Instagram thing every now, but no lab court required. Just get the YouTube stuff. It's valuable. Um, if you find value, uh, don't subscribe just for no reason. Like, please only subscribe if you find it valuable because I really want to uh, help the folks that are there. I want to serve. So, yeah, humbly, please uh, check it out. That's beyond humble because I don't think the people just caught what you said. Only subscribe <laughs> if you find it valuable. Name any, and you're not a, that's why you're not a creator. You said you're a curator. It's different. A creator would want any yeah. and every, even if they don't ever watch you ever again. We don't want that. We want engagement. And I agree no. with that. I agree with that 100%. So, so you know it's not a gimmick. This man really believes in being the best he can be through actual work and just getting better because he doesn't know everything. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Johnny Dixon, no lab coat required. I'm Nick Davenport. And as always, get your mind right.